and that's how I feel about the Rod Years podcast. We are not rickrolling you, Squeezer. We are talking about a year in which this song came out. What year was that? 1988. Rick Astley dropped this gem on us that year. I'm actually charted. We're talking 1988. Uh, we, we're going off ratings, and but ratings tell us you like the 1991 episode. So, fuck it. Maybe they're just a fan of the year in particular. Well, hopefully they're a fan of 1988 because a lot of shit happened, and we're giving it to you. Again, uh, if when we run out of ideas, we go back to 1988. Right. Let's hope that's a couple years from now. But are you gonna like you are said, you gonna go down an exhausted list of garbage? I got my exhausted out? list of yes. Well, see, this one isn't as long um, okay. because 1988 was a leap year, so it was a little shorter. So there's less stuff to happen. So here we go. Phantom of the Opera debuts. Mm. Last Emperor wins Best Picture and Director. Ah. Sonny Bono becomes Mayor of Palm Springs. Okay. Wild Cherry Pepsi appears on this planet. Wolverine and Punisher War, War Journal make their appearances for as a regular series. Oh. Uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy was the number one hit. Uh, George Michael Faith, number one album, beating out Michael Jackson's Bad Appetite for Destruction and Madonna's You Can Dance. Rain Man was number <laughs> one at the box office. Coming to America, Twins, Big Beetlejuice, Willow, Bull Durham, Land Before Time, which... Uh, uh, my wife Amanda was just watching with our little girl the other day, oh, no, and she was a that young? bawling mess because she forgot how sad that movie really is. Uh, Great your Outdoors, wife, daughter, Short right? Circuit 2, Lunchables, Nick Jr., Jimmy Swaggart sins and apologizes for his sins. Hogan, Andre the Giant, main event NBC for the first time on network TV since... 1955, I believe, 48 Hours debuted. Denver, The Last Dinosaur, Empty Nest. The Morris Worm hits the internet. U.S. Europe uh, lay a fiber cable so you can make like 40,000 phone calls at the same time. Internet relay chat, Windows 2.1. James Henson told NASA that global warming is real and people are doing it in 1988. Shuttle flights resumed since the Columbia. The F-117 Nighthawk and B-2 Spirit Bombers uh, make their public debut. You were asking about that in the last time we did 1991. So, yeah, three years earlier or three years later, they would go on and start blowing shit up. Uh, the Con Sea, uh, it's a boat that left Philadelphia with 14,000 tons of toxic waste and snuck around and dumped 4,000 in Haiti and then sailed around for a year not knowing what to do with this toxic waste until one day it just showed up empty, and they're like, oh, we don't know what happened to it, and it's somewhere in the ocean. Mm. It's probably floating in that big plastic bubble in the Pacific somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oliver North and Poindexter got in some little trouble over the whole Contra thing. Uh, SCOTUS decides that Hustler is uh, not going to have to pay Jerry Falwell for uh, making a dick out of him. Uh, Soviets leave Afghanistan. Thank you, Rambo 3. Uh, syringe tied in New York and New Jersey. That's when all the needles started popping up with AIDS all over the place. Oh, yeah. Al-Qaeda forms. Yay. Uh, the Iran-Iraq war ends, which leads to 1991's uh, Gulf War. McDonald's shows up in Yugoslavia, the first McDonald's in a Soviet bloc. George Bush defeats Dukakis. More on that later. Benazir Bhutto becomes the female prime minister of Pakistan. Bionic Commando. Doki Doki Panic. I'm sorry, Super Mario Brothers 2 arrives in the America. Uh, Super is Contra. A, is that a Met- bit of shtick there? What? <laughs> You're, I'm sorry, Super Mario Brothers Yeah, it is. Ninja Gaiden, Mario 3 in Japan. <coughs> Dragon Quest 3, Altered Beast, Zelda 2. Calgary Winter Olympics, Seoul Summer Olympics. 
In the World Series, the Dodgers beat the A's in five games. Super Bowl Redskins beat the Broncos 42-10. The Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup. With uh, in the EWPDC, Bob Anderson wins. That's uh, darts. <laughs> Bill Bro. Elliott won the NASCAR championship, which was awesome because I had the Bill Elliott NASCAR challenge. For was that NES. when it was the Winston cigarettes? Oh, yeah. It was Winston everywhere. Yeah. Winston everywhere. Yeah. It was, and then when they took it away, I'm like, no, that's not right. It's just what it, uh, maybe it's for the best. Bobby Allison won a Daytona 500. And in the ARF, uh, Australian Rules Football, because I love these scores so much, Hawthorne beat Melbourne 22.20 to 6.20 with, in parentheses, 152 to parentheses 56. <laughs> I don't know what that okay. means. And in Superfight 88, in 91 seconds, Mike Tyson knocked the shit out of Spinks for $20 million. Leon Spinks. Michael Spinks. Michael Spinks. Is he related? I don't know. I should look that up. Did Larry fight Michael? I think he fought both Michael and Leon. Uh, I know he f- Michael and Michael. And tangent. Tangent. <laughs> uh, again, I was told we shouldn't point out pointed out when we. <coughs> I don't know. How do you spell Michael Spanks? I'm on it. Let's see. I don't know. That was his last fight. Who? Spinks. What? When he lost to Tyson. Oh. He retired 30. He was 31 and 0 going into it. And then uh, when he lost the ring and lineal titles to him, he retired at. I should probably read after. Huh. Anyhow. Well, you know, you sounded like. Um, who's that guy on, uh, on uh, Double Dare who would read off the prizes? I was practicing. That's the affect you were giving when reading that list. I was going for something like that. Well, that's thanks. Nice. What's your What's your first final fine memory of 1988? Should we go to it? Oh yeah, let's go. Movie trailer. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. There is brilliant because I am in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. But I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants... Think, damn it, think! ...is to be a hero. Where's Howie? Hey, Tucker! Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> John. They have already killed one hostage... Channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, I sound like a born of pieces! He's inside? Who is he? Who are you then? You have lost troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee guy, mother. Like I said, man. 
He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Huh. Die Hard, best Christmas movie ever. Best Christmas, according to Forbes. It's, it's like they made it official. It is the best Christmas movie of all time. Uh, would you agree best action movie of all time? I like it a lot. I mean, it's my personal, as far as like that genre goes. Ho, ho, ho. I got a machine gun. And yeah, plus I quote it you know, I love how that it throughout the day. It, everything about it, it should have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. Like constant tweaking of the screenplay. So they had to just improvise most of it. Uh, I think this was the start of Bruce Willis being an asshole because he demanded $5 million and Rupert Murdoch personally paid for it. Um, he Coming would, off of Moonlighting? Yeah, right. So he was filming <laughs> Moonlighting in the day and then going to the Fox lot to shoot this movie at night with his rubber feet shoes. Those were rubber shoes mm. that looked like bare feet. The glass. <coughs> shoot the glass. <laughs> John McTiernan had the smash cut to Alan Rickman's face every time he shot the gun because Rickman would wince when he'd shoot it. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. He's, he's such a nice guy from what I gather. He's a probably, fine British actor. Yeah, he, well, he's probably the first time he ever had a gun. Yeah, probably. Uh, so I guess uh, Clint Eastwood had the rights of the book, and then that was probably with Warner Brothers because I don't know if Eastwood ever did a movie outside of Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And then it lapsed because it was a turnaround issue. Fox got it. Called it Die Hard. I don't know what, I forget what the book was originally called. Um, And they filmed it in Fox's headquarters. That was the tower. And then Fox paid itself (laughs) rent (laughs) to to shoot there. That's uh, Uh, classic. Would would you say the best of McTiernan's work of everything? Yeah. And then what? Predator Mm. after that or... Possibly. A lot of hard bods in Predator. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Jesse the bod. Th- this went on to, you know, kind of make... What, die Hard 2, Die Hard in a Plane? Okay. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Well, that that's where the whole Die Hard in a... Th- this, I mean, this set the table for all those movies. Everything, basically everything that's an action movie, like One Man Against an Army, is just a ripoff of Die Hard. I'm not saying they invented it, but although... The tools that they used and you know, just the way it was put together, that's just what people do now. It's just I like they follow that formula. I, I think this one and then with a vengeance. With died with a vengeance. Which was, my... was also McTiernan. Yeah. And that movie um, was awesome. Yeah. But and then the others. And then because the way then he the others. <laughs> yeah, then the others. Because the best part about the the first one in particular really was just one guy and because he's getting a shit beat out of him. He's pretty much lost, like in the end. Until you know, those Han, those uh, Hans, Hans out the, out the window. the window. But um, like, and then the recent ones, I didn't even see like the last two. No, I don't. No. But like, where he's just like a superhero, basically. You know, he's invulnerable. He's killing. There's like hundreds of dead. Like here, there's twelve terrorists that take over a building. Reasonable, you know. Well, I mean, with a vengeance, just... <clears throat> it was great because he was just 
He was just an ordinary guy, pissed off having a bad day with mm-hmm. the fucking hangover. And Sam Jackson just got pulled into it, not knowing what it Do I look Puerto Rican to you? <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And then I don't, the two was even good. Yeah. But, eh. I, I, two was just a little... I don't know if I want to say over the top. I mean, we're talking about... Was Carl Winslow in two also? No. No? Um, yeah, he had a... Uh, cameo he uh like sent him a fax oh okay um early on and they just cut the shot of him like in an office and he's on the phone with john but other than that uh yeah carl winslow paul gleason uh the principal from the breakfast club he's pretty awesome in it and he was also in the ewok movie uh and don't forget walter peck oh and uh this man has no dick and uh, Genghis Khan is in it. Uh, Al Young, who the uh, Mongolian? I don't know if he's actually Mongolian or Chinese, but he's the one, the one terrorist for like the Fu Manchu. He's mm-hmm. the one when he hunkers yeah. down behind the counter and takes a snack bar. The Asian man in the movie. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's in absolutely every movie ever, yeah. and he's a stunt man too, and did a bunch of shit. But. All things being equal, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. That's in the trailer I heard. <laughs> yeah. He's getting his feet all worked on. W quote from W.C. Fields. Who would rather be in Philadelphia, seriously? And especially at that time in 88. Yeah. Uh, $140 million at the box office. Ooh. And it's still 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. It's a damn good rating for an action movie. Yeah. And it's smart. It's actually a rather... Uh, <coughs> insightful film into the greed and corruption and Nakahami Plaza. Yeah. Of, of the 1980s. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 80s were, were kind of a, uh, yeah, the, the uh, cocaine and yeah. greed and luxury. Yeah. The, the, the Wall Street uh, yeah. mentality. Well, that was a good pick, Squeeze. Thanks. Thumbs up on that. Now, let's see if you know what the hell this pick is. Do you know what that is? I do because you told me in advance. Oh, so you looked it up? I had to. Ah. Cause I'm like, what the hell? And then the second, I, cause it, it 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 caught my mind. Like immediately, I'm like, I recognize it. Well, when we watched this show as kids, they repackaged it with this open. <laughs> this was Good Morning, Miss Bliss, the original version of Saved by the Bell, which came out in 1988. Pilot was done by NBC. They decided not to pick it up. Disney Channel ran it for 13 uh, episodes per year and thought it was trash. So Tartikoff and company re- repackaged it. Let's say by the bell. They dropped a couple of the guys. Milo, the custodian. TK Williams, the black guy. Uh, and Miss, and Haley, Haley uh, the girl from Parent Trap. Haley Mills, yeah. British lady. Dropped her, no longer in Indiana, on a Bayside High now, California Beach Town. Mr. Belding's still there. 
Zach's now not just a troublemaker, he's the man of the class, yeah. the man of the hour. Uh, Slater's there, he's kind of an adversary, but more of a lackey. I don't know what to call him. Screech is still there. Now Kelly Kapowski's as the love of his life. Jesse and Lisa Turtles, who's in Miss Bliss, is still there. But a lot of, did you hear the, the Saved by the Bells a Dream theory? I guess I, Crack originated it They're on their website. So they say real life was Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Zach was just a big loser that nobody liked and always, was always put in his place in this boring Indiana suburb at this high school. And Saved by the Bell is his dream, where he is the king of the school <laughs> in this Southern California beach town. <clears throat> so all, the, all all seasons of Saved by the Bell take place in one one classroom in one block while he's like sleeping during class one day. Yeah, it's just maybe it's just a, a long mm-hmm. fantasy. Yeah. Randomly replaces the love of his life, Kelly, with Tori. <laughs> Random beach episodes. <laughs> With the Karosis. Yeah, those were. He was a different character, though, in Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They yeah, repackaged I... it. So the first season was still Saved by the Bell, and they had that whole intro. It was really confusing as a kid. You're like, what the fuck is this? I don't ever. See, like, I, I don't remember this. I don't recall this at all. Oh, and really? until you brought it up. Like and like the Miss Bliss thing, like uh, what the hell is this? But it like Miss Bliss, I immediately I'm like from, I like to myself, I'm like from Saved by the Bell. And then my friend Google told me, yeah, from Saved by the Bell, or from Good Morning Miss Bliss, and then Saved by the Bell from that. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if her twin was in this show too. <laughs> she played herself in Parent Trap. Oh, the twin. Like a bad joke. But yeah, say by the bell. I mean, I got my AC Slater doll up there in retro. <coughs> AC Slater. If you're looking for something fun to watch as a, as a YouTube video, these guys, these comedians, I think based in LA, did this show called 28 Days Slater. It's this, this joke that uh, every February, AC Slater, or I'm sorry, Mario Lopez, reverts to becoming AC Slater. I got this guy that looks like Mario Lopez, and uh, he he calls him he calls like everyone Mama and Preppy, and he does the whole shtick. It's called Twenty Eight Days Slater. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's on YouTube. You can find it. So it's rather old. I think it's like early YouTube, but it's pretty good. Anyway, your next pick. Fantastic. And the fun time started, I'd laugh until I cried. He's dynamite in those four ply diapers. He's my kind of guy. Well, there goes Max on a big time mission. Will he lose or win? Yes, it all depends on the four ply diaper. And that saves again. He's tough. I mean terrific. Huh. I remember this kind of from Cartoon Network in its early years, right? Mm-hmm. It, well, it was part of the uh, futuristic world of Hanna-Barbera. Ah. So it was up there with like Don Quixote and all those tried to get a second wind going. Okay. 
uh, Fantastic Max. Uh, it only ran from 88 to 90. There's only 26 episodes. I remember watching more of this, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just because when I'm a dumb kid, I can watch the same episodes over and over again and not realize it. Right. So you assume that there's more of it. That uh, uh, yellow guy, he talks like like a frou-frou, right? Oh, uh, A.B. Sitter, the yeah. little C-3PO ripoff. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, he was kind of like the uh, not so much antagonist. He, he, he was the... The, the parent character, if you will. He was supposed to be the voice of reason in the show. <coughs> and then FX was his little alien doll with the pull string. Gringa, yeah. yeah, and he would have, like, magic powers and shit mm. and, like, be able to transform stuff. And um, Actually, uh, uh, FX was voiced by Nancy Cartwright. Oh, really? Yeah. And then A.B. Sitter um, was uh, voiced by Greg Berger, who uh, was the voice of Odie from Garfield. Ah. Uh, uh, Cornfed Pig from Duckman. I he love was Cornfed. Yeah, he was well, corn- we should talk Duckman. Yeah, right, add it to the list. And then he was also the voice of Frederick the Great in uh, Age of Empires three, and in uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. He was various voices. <laughs> so it was originally called Space Baby. Space Baby. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, Fantastic Max is a little 16-month-old baby with a mohawk and uh, he has little space adventures. Well, that's fun. I like this show. And then he had his catchphrase, Dirty Diapers, which I'm pretty sure... Like, ah, oh, fuck. It was yeah, it, it was... It, to me, like, when you listen to it now, it's like, shit. Dirty Diapers, motherfucker! Or, like, Dirty Diapers, like, oh, shit. <laughs> yes. It's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Dirty Diapers. Oh, shit. Can you, is this available to watch on YouTube? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. There's. Yeah. I was watching a whole bunch of them. A lot of season two. I couldn't. I couldn't find the original episode. At least not in English. I'd find it in like Dutch. You know, it's kind of scary. Hmm. Weird. So that leads us to my next pick, and this is gonna give you a little something here. There you go. You're in constant demand. And I say, honey, because I'm the world's heavyweight champion. Now, for a lot of you people out there, that's a real hard nut to swallow. A lot of you don't like that. You don't like the prestige that I have in life. You don't like the notoriety. You detest the fact that I got more cars than most of you have friends. I got a big house. On the big side of town, I got life pretty much the way I want it. You understand that? You know why? Because <laughs> I'm the champ. <laughs> I'm the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. Dale Murphy, right? A local hero in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a big deal, but he's not the champ. <laughs> you understand that? Huh? Herschel Walker, for all you black folks out there, he's a real big dude. But he's not the champ. <laughs> Rick Flair's the champ. Understand? Me and Lex Luger, you, Ted Turner, Dusty Rhodes, Nikita Koloff, Ricky Martin, Steve Williams, all of you, take a look at it. Learn to love it because it's a role model for you. I'm the champ. <laughs> That's the bottom line in this sport. Of sports, I'm the champ. Custom made, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, and Luger, wherever this match takes place, God only knows you've got to beat 
champ. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, that's a classic flare shoot promo. A wincy bit racist. <laughs> Just a wincy. Not uh, quite sure what he was getting at there. And yeah. In October of 1988, billionaire Ted finally made his bid to buy NWA, the NWA Alliance, and repackaged it World Championship Wrestling. And it premiered, I believe, in November of 1988. Ted Turner, I wanted WWF so bad, he wanted to own it, buy it. McMahon wouldn't sell. Meanwhile, McMahon was blocking out with some anti-competitive shit. He was uh, he was putting a, a fucking onto, like when Starcade came out, it was up against Survivor Series, and McMahon told cable providers that if they picked up Starcade and not Survivor Series, they wouldn't have access to future WWF programs. Mm. So most people just didn't pick up Starcade. That's so, some shady business shit right there. Exactly, and then and I'm uh, pretty sure that's also illegal. Yeah, anti-competitive. Yeah. So then I guess what happened was they put out a, a show, so McMahon countered it with the uh, Royal Rumble on USA, the first ever Royal Rumble on USA. And uh, it, it, they were just like, there's nothing we can do. So Ted Turner came in with his billions of dollars, bought WCW, <clears throat> and turned it into what it was. That was 88. It didn't come into prime until, when did uh, Hogan go there? I think hmm, 90... We could find this out. Eric Bischoff came in saying 93. And then I think Hogan came in. Or there was Piper. 93, Roddy Piper came. They just bought all the WWF superstars. Uh, 90, 94, they recruited Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. And then there was like Flair, Savage, Hogan. Uh, uh, Flair came back from WWF to WCW. The NWO happened. Monday Nitro went up against yeah. Monday Night Raw. Nitro started in 95, yeah. I believe. Um, then Thunder to go against SmackDown. Well, Thunder, oh yeah, Thunder came out in 98. Yeah. And then uh, then they got Scott Hall and uh, who the fuck was that? Kevin Nash. NWO started. They started beating WWF in the ratings. And then a little man called Stone Cold Steve Austin and a little faction known as D-Generation X happened, <clears throat> which is basically the falling out of everything, all those guys leaving WWF. Mm -hmm. And then the – which started the Attitude Era of WWF and Mick Foley and The Rock. Yeah. Every, everything that when, you know, at least when I think of wrestling, WWF, that's – that's my era. That's what I, even though I love the golden era shit and then uh, new era, that attitude was just, it was something different, especially at that age too. It was something new, fresh, like you felt like a grown up, you know, because you were watching a man with a sock on his hand, put uh -huh. it in other people's mouths. Um, but I wasn't, I'll admit, I was not a WCW guy at all. Yeah, it was so boring compared I, to yeah, WWF. I, I think now, like if it, if you know, being older and wanting to watch some wrestling, I probably would have watched WCW now, probably over whatever they're putting on now, because maybe they'll actually wrestle. Mm. I, don't know, well, I, tr I tried watching lately. In, it's <clears throat> in 2001, 
they wound up selling to WWF. Yeah. And McMahon. So eighty-eight to let's let's do math here. Eighty-eight to ninety-eight is ten years. Yeah. Ninety-nine is eleven. Two thousand is twelve. Thirteen. Just getting there. Okay. What? I, I like. Was, I was getting there. And I know. You cut me off. I'm sorry. I was. I was going along with you. I was proving math. I was doing math. That's how, at home. Were you doing that as a joke, or is that really how you do math? So I do math. I was. I was taught as a master control operator. That's how you do math. Because I wasn't taught that way, but that's how I do it. Like, I have to. Right. I, I use, I have to, I should just go by the metric system and force everyone to just go by me. It makes more <laughs> sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I will, I like use like even like shapes and colors and weird distance. Yeah, it's, there's some spectrum shit going on there. We talked about Rain Man being a movie that came out <laughs> in 1988. Go to watch Came out on 4th Street, Cleveland Avenue. All right, I'm butchering that. He wanted to get his. <laughs> What is uh, his briefs, his tidy whiteies or whatever. And then uh, <coughs> we did get the after, after Vince bought WCW. Then we had the invasion. That was that was after right after the Attitude Era. And so then he, he said, "Fuck it, and bought ECW too." Yeah, <coughs> uh, that just breaks my heart. Just <laughs> bastardized it. Uh, at least they that you know the videos are out there that you can pull stuff. They're actually pulling a lot of ECW videos off the internet now. I used mm-hmm. to watch a lot of stuff, and it's disappearing slowly but surely. Fortunately, you, you I got to get the WWE network to watch it. Ah, fuck that. I, I got a, like I got a whole Tupperware bin full of RF videotapes down in the basement of old ECW and uh, Japan Pro and just weird shit with Did you stra- ta- the original Stranglemania. Uh, with the ICP doing the commentary. N- no, <coughs> I cannot. I eh, probably no, probably not. Some it's weird basically shit. Basically, Cactus in, Jack versus Terry Funk in well, Japan killing each other. Was wait. No, I don't think that was it. Because it was Cactus Jack and Terry Funk and some other... I don't know if Cactus Jack was in it. But he wasn't but Terry Funk. He was Leatherface. Yeah. Uh, and then it was a barbed wire match, and they had exploding panels around the ring. So if you went out, like the panels would explode. I think there was one, too, where they actually had an alligator outside the ring, too. But no one ever got bit by the alligator. It was sick. No one's going to get bit by the alligator. It's like when, when like Triple H would get the sledgehammer out and, like, if he, if he has his hand over the end of it and hits you in the stomach, you know he's going to use it like that. If he swings <coughs> it up over his head, he's not going to crush your skull on national TV with a sledgehammer. Although, yeah, things happen. You never know. Oh. Hmm. Sorry. That was a little mini tangent. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to your next pick which i don't really uh, know anything no about. we well well there's a little i don't want to get too political but this is this is just too damn good okay michael dukakis has opposed virtually every defense system we developed he opposed new aircraft carriers he opposed anti-satellite weapons he opposed four missile systems including the pershing two missile deployment dukakis opposed the stealth bomber and a ground emergency warning system against nuclear attack he even criticized our rescue mission to Grenada and our strike on Libya. And now he wants to be our commander-in-chief. America can't afford that risk. What the hell is this about? You don't remember that ad at all? No. So, in 1988, Dukakis is going up against George Herbert Walker Bush, um, a former Navy fighter pilot who was shot down in World War II and survived, and there's, like, video of him being pulled onto the boat. Ah. Uh, he was also the CIA director. Okay. And he was also vice president for two terms. So 
the Dukakis people were a little bit worried that he doesn't have the whole tough guy military look to him, as opposed to George Bush, who they just show clips of him getting pulled out of that plane. He looks like a badass. Right. So they thought, let's go to some proving grounds, and we're going to put Dukakis in a tank, and he's going to drive around in the tank, and reporters are going to get shots of this, and he's going to look awesome in this tank. And uh, so they, the advanced guy goes there, this kid, Matt Bennett. He's 23 years old. This is the guy that they send. And immediately he's like, oh, this is not a good idea. And th the quote is, when running a campaign, don't put your candidate in a hat. That's what they got out of this. So when he's driving around on this tank, he's wearing, like, the tank helmet, and he looks like a child coming out of the top, and he's got this big, goofy grin. And as he drives by, and he's, like, waving, and you... If you watch the raw video of like the press pool as they're taking pictures, there, you, all you hear, is laughter. The photographers, the well, journalists, well, the photo, what the was video. This fucking commercial about? He's like, I oppose all this, this shit. This, that's the best part. The second that the Bush campaign saw that video clip, they took that video, and then used that his own campaign commercial that Dukakis did against him. This was a Bush commercial. Oh. Yeah. They immediately took that video. Watch, watch, find that. Try to find the raw stuff where you just hear the reporters Didn't John laughing. Lovitz play Dukakis on uh, SNL? Probably. That would have been the right time frame. Opposite um, Dana Carvey's Dana Carvey. Such a, good, such a good Bush. Well, that was uh, interesting. And, yeah, it... it possibly the worst campaign disaster ever because <laughs> it tanked like he he was actually they were up and down he was kind of competitive and then that and along with the one debate when they asked him about if he would still support the death penalty if his wife was raped it was a whole it was a yeah that was the, the question that he got in a debate if she was like brutally beaten it was awful question but the problem was his response was <coughs> Well, I still oppose the death penalty in that. And people are like, are you a robot? <laughs> no, he just asked you a horrendous question. Like, my response would have been, um, that's an awful question to bring up in a debate. That makes me sad. Please don't say that again. But instead, he just answered it like a robot. But this, this commercial, this campaign, that picture, that video, that just, that tanked him. <laughs> Get it? That was good. Thanks. Now, uh, for all our listeners who turn the podcast off. Are you serious? <laughs> You've never seen it, so you don't know. This is the funniest fucking thing to ever come out of 1988. <coughs> you didn't even see it. Okay. Watch uh, it. Ah, oh, you, you mock my picks when you don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the podcast back on course here with my next pick. How is it off course? We're in a tank and... Yeah. Yeah. You know, and hilarity ensues. This thing's got to go. It's very distracting. Hilarity <laughs> ensued. So regardless, let's please move on to my next one. Touchstone Pictures presents Eddie, Jessica, and Roger. A man, a woman, a rabbit in a triangle of trouble. Find me, Eddie. Roger's wanted for murder. Jessica's wanted by Eddie. Eddie's wanted by Roger. Jessica. Eddie. Oh, 
honey bunny. It's the greatest adventure a man, a woman, and a rabbit ever had. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a Steven Spielberg presentation, a Robert Zemeckis film. A story of greed, sex, and murder. Rated PG. Starts Wednesday, Two. June 22nd at a theater near you. That was a countdown you heard there. Uh, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way, Squeezer. What's there not to say about Roger Rabbit? That's a fantastic movie. I was obsessed. I had a Roger doll that I dragged Aww. with me everywhere. And that movie was probably inappropriate for children. Yeah, I had a Bob Hoskins doll I <laughs> take with me. Uh, rest in peace, Bob Hoskins. I know. You know, his kids wouldn't talk to him for like five weeks after that movie premiered. And when he finally asked him why, and he's like, you started a movie with Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, and all these fucking tunes, and you didn't introduce me. <laughs> That's adorable. It is adorable. <clears throat> uh, so here's something for Mrs. Squeezer. You know who originally auditioned for the role of Judge Doom? Oh, Judge Doom? I, I thought you were going to say H Hoskins, because that was Bill Murray. But, or he was in... Oh, really? Tim that Curry. Guy? And yes. I guess the performance was so goddamn scary they couldn't cast him. Wow. They were, like, haunted by it. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't see that casting. I would, yeah, it would have would have been too scary. Because cause Tim Curry's funny, but whereas Christopher Lloyd is silly. Right. You know, so kind of even though he's evil, he's still like that, that silly man. Even so when he takes scary. off. That, well, that performance is haunting. Even yeah. when he takes his shades off, he never blinks. That's right. Dip. Mix of three paint thinners. They used to clean off cells to reuse them. Pretty smart. Mm -hmm. uh, well, in the movie, of course, we all know. Uh, who are those who haven't seen Who Frames Roger Rabbit? How dare you? It's on Netflix. Give it, a, give it a watch. It's in the National Archives if you need to go see it. Yeah. Well, Ro uh, Eddie Hoskins is a detective who gets pulled in on the death of uh, Marvin Acme who is basically the the heir of Toontown, the owner of Toontown. And I guess he's having an affair with Jessica Rabbit, who is married to Roger Rabbit. <clears throat> and he is framed for the murder. And he he goes calls on Eddie Valiant to save him and clear his name. And Eddie, Eddie says he don't do tunes no more because his brother was killed by a tune. So, since when he finds out that uh, Eddie took the pictures, he goes to Eddie. He says, "It's your. You have to clear him. You know, it's your. It's your job." So, uh, the Judge Doom. Keep, I'm butchering this. Judge Doom comes after them, and you know they they're hiding. They're handcuffed together because Roger. <laughs> And Doom can't get a hold of him, and then finally he does, and it's revealed, spoilers, that Doom himself is a tune, and he's the one that killed Eddie's brother. Eddie finally gets his revenge in uh, the Marvin Acme's will that was written in Disappearing and Reappearing, Reappearing Inc. Uh, states that um, he left Toontown to all the tunes. Funny time. First, only, first and only time uh, Disney and Warner Brothers cartoons ever appeared together. Uh, but Warner Brothers stated in the contract that they had to have exact equal time with every Disney character. Hmm. Yeah. Great movie. It still holds up, too. I thoroughly enjoy it. But how does that... Hmm. Did it not including Roger? No, no. It's only characters that they had the license IP for. Okay. 
So Roger was new, so it didn't count. Okay. Um, in the original VHS release, when Eddie and Jessica are thrown out of the car, you can see for a few short frames that Jessica is not wearing any underwear. Yes, you could probably find that video on YouTube, but it was cut out. It was also on the laser disc. <clears throat> uh, Jessica Rabbit was the I don't know, love of all our lives as a kid. She was she awakened many feelings in, in a young young Ryan. I'm sure a young squeezer. Eh, I don't know. What do you think? Love it. Love it? Yeah. It was a great movie. There's a lot of great movies. I, I was I'm debating between this and Twins. I love the movie Twins. Yeah. You're forgetting I, the first rule of a crisis situation. I, I, wanna, I haven't watched this enough, though. No I want to go back. Like, Twins, I, you see so much because it's just it was on a lot, like, just... I've, I've watched Cable, Roger Rabbit like a thousand you know, times. Well, I had it's been, I mean, pay-per-views. I so. have. It's been, so, oh. But yeah, even like I've watched Roger Rabbit like two years ago, like three times. It's, uh, and Twins, I just watched this past summer. Twins is just you flipping through and it's on. I love Twins. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your brother! <laughs> Danny DeVito is so good. Nuked food. Through the lips, over the gums. Look out stomach, here it comes. <laughs> oh, I like the nook food. Vincent, it's me, your brother. I'll, st- I'll do twins all day. You want me to <laughs> act that <laughs> the whole movie? <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> you could see in that movie the, the beginnings of uh, Frank Reynolds coming out of Danny DeVito. Yeah, I could see that. My second favorite, or third, I guess, favorite Ivan Reitman film. <coughs> Band to Ghostbusters. He'd then go on to do another movie with those two gentlemen called Junior, which was weird. Yeah, I was not a fan of Junior. I liked it. But I still like Twins better. Twins was, Twins was awesome. Yeah. So, your next pick is... In the not-too-distant future, next Sunday, A.D., there was a guy named Joel, not too different from you or me. He worked at Gizmonic Institute, just another face in a red jumpsuit. He did a good job cleaning up the place, but his bosses didn't like him, so they shot him in the space. Okay, Mystery Science Theater 3000, huh? Love this show. Yeah. And it's coming back. Oh, yeah, it's on that. It is, it is back. It's on uh, April 14th. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was back. Uh, they're, I think they're... Um, uh, I think they're showing old episodes, some old ones now, and then oh, they have like okay. a teaser and stuff on it, but April 14th, the new ones come out uh, with a new cast and... Uh, some old people, uh, Jonah Ray's the new, uh, Oh, Jonah Ray's yeah. the new guy watching He's the new guy, them? yeah. Oh, great, from the yeah. Nerdist? hmm Yeah, uh, Joel Hodgson picked him out personally. He's like, I want you to, he wanted him to do it, and, uh. Just, for, just 
a callback to early in the show. Michael Spinks is Leon's brother. Okay. And he beat Larry twice before getting beat by Tyson. Okay. Okay. Michael Back. did. Michael did, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's also, the new one's also got uh, Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. They're playing. Uh, oh, they're voicing the. the... No, it's, uh, Patton Oswalt's one of the scientists. Oh, really? Yeah. But also, uh, Mary Jo Pell's be coming back. Will be coming back. Okay. Uh, Kevin Murphy will be back as Bobo. Okay. But he's not, from what I saw, not going to do the voice of Tom Servo though. So I don't know. If I wonder what movies they'll use. Uh, there, I mean, there's still so much garbage out there. There's plenty. If they do newer ones or go back, there's something about. I think it's the visual too. You almost need a poor quality movie to to do it versus if you. You have something that is more recent shot in HD. Well, I think 80s movies. Yeah. Because they in, in the 80s when this came out, they were doing like 50s movies, right? Yeah. Well, they did they did uh, 80s, even some 90s movies too. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see them do Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ooh, that would be a good one. Maybe they can do movies Netflix has licensed. I wonder if that would make a that would make a difference. Yeah. Uh, do you have any particular? Movies at the any episodes you remember? I just remember watching as a kid and enjoying it. Mano's Hands of Fate is considered the worst movie of all time. That was that was, I think that was the first season. My personal favorites are Hobgoblins, where it was kind of a ripoff of Gremlins and Critters, and they had a. You could actually see that like it was the puppet, or like when they would attack. Like someone off frame would just kind of throw a stuffed animal of this like creature at them, and then they'd hold it to their neck, like <laughs> it's like biting their neck. Uh, what else? Uh, werewolf, uh, with uh, with a cameo from Joe Estevez, who is brother to Martin Sheen. Hmm. So, and then uh, Puma Man, I think, might be my all time favorite. Okay. Where it's a superhero movie where you some white guy receives. Aztec Indian powers. Uh, yeah, originally it was on KTMA. I think that was Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis. <coughs> Minneapolis. And then uh, it eventually got picked up by the Comedy Channel right. in uh, 89. And that was their flagship show. And then, uh, and then eventually it became Comedy Central. Then Sci-Fi picked up for its last two years. I remember watching it on Comedy Central and Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I have a ton of them on VHS that I taped off of uh that I taped off of both Comedy Central and Sci-Fi. They still those tapes still exist. Got a bunch I got to dub down. I got to go through those boxes. Wrestling tapes first though. Wrestling, all right. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of fans of this out there. Co- early Comedy Central shit was uh Oh, that's a topic. Where's my pen? This is a topic. That's where I that's where I found and fell in love with Kids in the Hall. Comedy Central. Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, Upright Citizens Brigade. What was that show with uh Stephen Colbert? Oh, Strangers with Candy. Yeah. <laughs> of course South Park. Well, that was a good pick, squeeze. Thank you. Here is a little bit of mine. Another T V show. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. 
Give me Muppet Face Boy. Make me pot out Joe Cocker. <laughs> Monster. Covering the Beatles. His version's better. It is. So this is uh, the show The Wonder Years premiered after the Super Bowl. It's one of the first premieres of 88. So it premiered after the Super Bowl on ABC in 1988. And I love this show. It was uh, Fred Savage and know, who played Paul, but... Winnie Cooper. Oh. I think we've played the Winnie Cooper song on this podcast before. Well, because we did, we talked Wonder Years. Did we? It was uh, This Day in History. Oh. Yeah. We talked a lot of these before. But I'm like, we get some uh, little help from my friends on there and we get to talk Wonder Years. I'm like, I'm fine with that. <clears throat> yeah. So it was the typical life of a suburban middle class family in 1968. And. <sighs> it's da- narrated by Daniel Stern. He's he's living in he's Kevin in 1988, mm-hmm. talking about his life. Uh, and uh, I think Winnie's older brother was. They talk about him being killed in Vietnam in the pilot episode. Yeah, uh, was it the pilot? Yeah, I don't remember if there was pilot. I just remember yeah that. That's how it like kind of started, okay. but then it was like dormant, <clears throat> and then she started dating the popular kid. And that was like the irk of, yeah, I hated that. Of, Ke- of Kevin Arnold's existence. Because I just figured I had, if she's with Kevin, I could sweep in with that nerd and take her away. I'm not going to be able to do it with the cool kid. Yeah. We were always the Becky Slaters to the Winnie Coopers. <clears throat> so, yeah, Kevin dates Becky Slater. And then winds up in the end marrying Winnie, right? I believe they get together in the end. That blog. Uh, or do they not? They leave. No. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's but, right. Oh, but because dad dies, remember just kind of throw that in at the end. Dad yeah. died. Yeah. Um. Okay, I think here's the. The epilogue, <clears throat> the no monologue. Oh, on a desolate stretch of highway, Kevin decides to begin hitchhiking. He finally gets picked up by an elder, elderly couple, and much to his surprise, he finds Winnie in the back seat. Winnie was fired over the fight Kevin instigated at the resort. Kevin and Winnie begin to argue, and elderly, elderly couple—I can't say elderly—couple gets fed up and kicks him out of the car. A flash rainstorm begins, and Kevin and Winnie search for shelter. I remember this. Mm-hmm. They find a barn and discuss how much things are changing and the prospects for the future. They make up and kiss passionately. Loosely implied that they lose their virginity with each other. They banged in a barn. They banged in a barn. The narrator's monologue states, Once upon a time, there was a girl I knew who lived across the street. Brown hair, brown eyes. When she smiled, I smiled. When she cried, I cried. Pussy. Every single thing that ever (laughs) happened to me that mattered in some way had to do with her. That day, Winnie and I promised each other that no matter what, that we will always be together. It was a promise full of passion, truth, and wisdom. It was the kind of promise that only could come from hearts of the very young. Of course, because when you grow up, you become old and jaded. I don't, I don't think these relationships really exist. Like when you're a kid and a girl means that much to you. Yeah, I didn't. Well, see, I like, I've been over this my whole 
camp nowhere, fear of dying alone thing. Yeah. So like girls <coughs> just really, d- I mean, look at me. Girls really didn't talk to me anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't, I didn't really comprehend that. Even now I look back at it as almost like high fantasy. Like where I, I see John McClane fighting off 12 terrorists in a tower more realistic than <laughs> a healthy relationship between a boy and a girl in, right. uh, in high school. Paul went on the study. Well, Kevin makes up with his father, graduates from high school in 1974, at least for college, later becoming a writer. Paul studies law at Harvard. Karen, Kevin's sister, gives birth to a son in September of 1973. Kevin's mother becomes a businesswoman and a corporate board chairwoman. Kevin's father dies in 1975, and Wayne <laughs> takes over the father's furniture business. Winnie studies art history in Paris while Kevin stays in the United States. Winnie and Kevin end up writing each other once a week for the next eight years. When Winnie returns to the United States in 1982, Ryan is born. Kidding, that's me. (laughs) Kevin meets her at the airport with his wife and eight-month-old son. No. Yeah. Uh, They couldn't just give you what you wanted. No, I guess the final, final voiceover from Daniel Stern is, Growing up happens in a heartbeat. One day you're in diapers, the next day you're gone. But the memories of childhood stay with you for the long haul. I guess that's what this podcast is all about. I remember a place, a town, a house, like a lot of houses, a yard, like a lot of other yards, on a street, like a lot of other streets. And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Coincidentally, the name of one of my favorite bands of all time, The Wonder Years, out of Philadelphia. And if you listen closely, at the end there, you actually hear uh, the kids in the background. What? You hear Kevin's, like, you hear children in the background during that voiceover when you listen to it. You hear, like, kids laughing, and they're like, come on, Daddy, let's go play. Oh, she's got a couple kids. Hmm. Oh, yeah, a little boy can be heard asking his dad to come play cats during the final narration. Kevin's narrative responds, I'll be right there. As episode and series closes. It's ranked number 11 on TV Guide Network's most unforgettable finales. What was number one? Probably Cheers. No, MASH. MASH. MASH is always number one. God, that was sad. Okay. Now that we brought you all although, down. Although that is one of the, I think one of the greatest setups of all time on 30 Rock. What's this? Talking about babies and chickens? I thought this was a comedy show. <laughs> what's uh, what's next here, Squeeze? Oh, here we go. I, 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 I realized I found a loophole that I don't have to worry about burning my next pick all at once so I can stretch it out over the next 10 years. I think you have been stretching this pick out over the last 20 podcasts. This is only the second time I'm talking this. Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Nobody beats G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe Desert Fox. But the Fox had better look out for the Cobra Stiletto. Cobra Stiletto's giving Joe the chase, then blasting its way into outer space. And on the Warthog is Sergeant Slaughter. But nobody beats G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe Warthog. Over the water and in the fog, the Warthog fights like a rabid dog. But nobody beats G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Stiletto comes with pilot, Desert Fox with driver, Warthog with Sergeant Slaughter. Joe, Joe. Go Joe. Why? Why would the warthog fight like a rabid dog? Why wouldn't it fight like a warthog? Warthogs are vicious animals. Yeah, they'll. Uh, that that kid from that movie that my mom used to watch all the time. What was that? 
something birds. I don't know. It was like a period piece, like a mini series that aired at like Thanksgiving every year, and then the kid got killed <sighs> by a wild boar. If anyone remembers what that is, let us know, or I can just ask her. Lord of the Flies? No, no, no. It was like some. It was like a, like an old timey, like turn of the century westerny, something birds, bluebirds, yardbird. No, yardbirds was was Clapton. I'll figure it out. Anywho, what I realized was. No, because I haven't talked G.I. Joe figures yet. Same reason I didn't want to talk Alpha on like the very first day. It was I wanted to savor it. And then I realized I can just talk <coughs> G.I. Joe's nineteen eighty eight. I can talk series seven. I have eighty two all the way through ninety four until ninety seven when I didn't really give a crap about him anymore. Not Savage Kingdom or Spy in the Wild. Nope, none of no. those. Wild Palms? Nope. <laughs> It'll come to me. Razorback? Nope. I wonder what all these are. Okay. Continue. Um, I heard Sergeant Slaughter's name mentioned in there. Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah, version three of Sergeant Slaughter come out in this series. I didn't have that one. I had version two, I believe, that came with the T-Tank. Um, 88, that was series seven of the uh, three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe figures. Not a huge year for uh, for figures themselves. They're a little meh. Uh you had a, who did I have out of these? <coughs> there was Sneak Peek. Well, that was version two of Sneak Peek. I had version one of Sneak Peek. Of course. Don't you roll your eyes at me. Um, and then they had a lot of, like, Cobra water. They had some, like, water stuff, like water figures, like the, what the hell they call them? Aqua Viper. Hydro Viper. Hydro Viper. Hydro Viper. And then shit like that. But I also had, uh, I keep meaning to correct myself, and I, I get that habit. I keep saying shit like that and shit. And shit. Just, oh, yeah, you don't instead wanna... of my et cetera, et cetera, right. et cetera. Um, but it was bigger on the uh, on the vehicles. There were a lot of vehicles this season. All those commercials, I found, I came across like 10 different commercials for uh, uh, 88 Series 7. None of them talked about the figures. It was all about selling vehicles. And because uh, you had the Hydro Viper, Toxa Viper, Viper uh, Road Pig, and a lot of these guys all came with vehicles. Like uh, the big thing was the uh, Tiger Force and uh, was it <coughs> Night, yeah, Night Force, which is a Toys R Us exclusive. And all these really were were repaints mm-hmm. of uh, earlier ones. So like I had the what did I have? It was the Tiger Fly. Which was the like the uh, attack helicopter, and that was originally the dragonfly from like '82. So all they did was put some stripes on it, and some stickers. Which I always thought I had a Wild Bill figure because Wild Bill would fly the tigerfly and the dragonfly, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was Ricondo. But I'm pretty sure I had a Wild Bill. So I'm really confused as to how that happened, or did I just the entire time think Ricondo was Wild Bill? Just. First world problems, you know. Mm. <laughs> Hi. That's one of those GI Joe jets flying straight over my we head. We got to get your brother in here. Yeah, he was a GI Joe fan. Uh, well, the GI Joe jet, because you had. Let me see. What did I have here? Because the Cobra ferret, that became the snowcat. The water moccasin became the tiger shark. Then <clears throat> uh, uh, what else do we have? The Tiger Rat, that was the jet. 
that was actually the Rattler that came out from 84. So yeah, it was a brilliant marketing ploy because all they did was take these old toys that they had already had from five years earlier, repainted them, and sold them to dummies like me who already had them. Hmm. Yeah, the figures weren't that great. I had Lightfoot. He was pretty cool. He had like a Minesweeper. Okay. Well, you bring nothing to bounce off me here, Ryan. I'm trying <coughs> to talk G.I. Joe. We're going to talk a lot of G.I. Joe. When did Joe. the mo cartoon movie come out? 86. Okay, so this is two years after the cartoon movie. Who was that? Uh, Serpent Serpento? Serpent Serpentor? Serpentor. Oh, you're hurting my feelings right, right now. My brother had him. He had the gold thing that he flying on. Kind of gold serpent throne. 87. 87. That's Serpentor was that the theme in that movie, right? Yeah, and Cobra Law. Yeah, Cobra uh, Law. And Undermined Cobra Commander's yeah. uh, authority. He turned, and he turned him into a snake, right? Yeah, that's how that's how it ends. And then eventually the series would come back. Then uh, Sunbow would pick it up. Because uh. previously it was under Deke. Um, 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. No, it's a better <laughs> movie than that. I liked it. I saw it as a kid. Yeah. <coughs> Again. Oh, but it did give us, this year it did give us the Rolling Thunder. That thing was badass. That was the big massive tank trailer with the rockets on the back. That was the big playset vehicle of the year was the Rolling Thunder. You didn't really know how to push that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, we're winding down, Squeeze. We got one more pick left. That's my last pick. And here we go. <laughs> you know, it's funny. This reminds me of a joke. See, there were two guys locked in a lunatic asylum. And one night, one night they decided they didn't like that anymore. They decided to escape. So they made it up to the roof, and there, just across this narrow gap, they see rooftops stretching across town, stretching to freedom. Now the first guy, he jumps right across no problem, but his friend, oh, no way, he's afraid of falling. So the first guy, he has an idea. He says, hey, I got this flashlight with me. I'll shine it across the gap between the buildings and you can walk across the beam and join me. But the second guy says, what do you think I am, crazy? You just turn it off when I'm halfway across. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> That was from the movie that just came out. Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy playing Joker and Batman, respectively. And that is one of the parts they actually used from the comic. This movie... Controversial. The book, however, seminal. Alan Moore, ugh, guy's a genius, came up with this, story, this kind of origin story, loosely based on the man behind the Red Hood from 1951. Uh, kind of an origin story of the Joker and how one bad day turned him uh, into a psychopath. Fell into the chemicals, that his chemicals emerged... 
as a Joker. He it, it, the the book kind of like mirrors the Joker and Batman, how they are two of the one and like one he's Batman's one bad day away from becoming him. But it's not true. The bat, you know, in the end, they share this laugh together. You don't know if afterwards Batman actually killed him or not. But, you know, <clears throat> it's a thing. And so this is the Joker in the book is trying to make Commissioner Gordon go insane. And he does it by a trying to kill his daughter, Barbara Gordon, who's also Batgirl, uh, just paralyzes her. It's what how she becomes Oracle. Then he kidnaps him and takes him to the fun house and locks him in this cage and tries to traumatize him. But uh, Gordon retains his sanity and moral code and insists that Batman capture the Joker by the book in order to show him our way works. And Batman gets him. <coughs> and that's when, when the Joker's finally like, all right, do it. Do your best. Beat the shit out of me. It starts, it starts with Batman in jail with Joker saying, I've been thinking a lot about me and you. I can't do the Kevin God one. He's like, one day, one of us is going to have to one of us is going to go too far. One of us is going to kill each other. Like that's it, it, how it doesn't have to end this way. Realizes he's not talking to the Joker. It's someone else. Joker has escaped. And then goes into this whole, whole thing, but uh, heavily influenced the 1989 Batman movie. Tim Burton really didn't read comics and read this and was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Alan Moore, genius writer, write the Watchmen, V for Vendetta. Did a great Swamp Thing run in the early 80s. Uh, Brian Boland drew this book, and he had a lot of input in this, too. And Good creative team. I read this probably 91, 92. Probably shouldn't have been reading it. A little adult theme, but pretty good. Have you read this, this mm -hmm. book? Yeah, I think in high school I read it. Not a long read. You could probably read it in half hour mm -hmm. when you get through it, but good, good graphic novel. Yeah, that's why it, maybe it's not necessary to, if you only have, you know, forty minutes of source material to make a film. Don't just try making shit up to try to stretch it. Yeah, yeah. Don't have Batman bang Batgirl. That was just weird. <coughs> On a roof. So that was nineteen eighty-eight. Squeeze. Yeah, it was. And what did you uh, what what did you what do you pull from this? What was your favorite things of 1988? Oh, me personally. What did we just go through there? What what did, well, did you learn anything? Believe it or n well, oh, it, did I learn anything? I learned that you know absolutely nothing about GI Joes. That's true. And you're gonna have to do your research because every year I'm going to be talking GI Joes, <laughs> whether okay. you like it or not. <coughs> um. Uh, let me see. I for me the the big one was the whole uh, Saved by the Bell. Miss Good morning, Miss Bliss. That blew my mind. I did not know that even existed. That was all new to me. I didn't know about this Dukakis. You, I can't believe for someone that is as I don't want to say politically savvy, but aware that the but that uh you've never even come across it. Mm -mm. Interesting. It was kind of before my time. Well, it was before mine too, but. I really came into politics in probably 98, 90, mm -hmm. when the whole Clinton blowjob, when it got yeah. salacious. Yeah. <laughs> That's what got me into politics. So. But yeah, this is, I mean, that was, that was huge. <clears throat> but got, CNN did a whole piece about it. They actually talked to the caucus all about it. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, this has been our take you, <coughs> our, our time machine taking you back to the year of 1988. Let us know if you want to hear more years or what you want to hear. If you have episode ideas, because we're running out. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. We or just not, but we just gotta sit down and actually think, think about so. it. Yeah. But if you have an idea for for a show, hit us up on Instagram or email us at rad.years at gmail.com and go listen to the band The Wonder Years Try came out swinging it's a good song that's all I got that's all I got I'm RK I'm Squeezer peace peace